Love this song as we get started. I love old ZZ Top. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I could listen all day long, and we get uh, going here on a big three-hour show today. Why is it three hours? Well, because we have no baseball to break out of. We were expecting uh, more championship baseball, but because the pods lost in five and the Yankees were swept right out of the postseason, Phillies-Astros World Series is going to be up starting Friday night. And uh, we've got Football Friday Night for you. In fact, between Football Friday Night and UTEP uh, football the next day, we will be able to join you for Game 3 of the World Series here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, along with Chema, who's uh, back in our 600 ESPN El Paso uh, Lubingo Oil Changer Studios. And Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Three hours today as we get going live here from the Ale House. And uh, we'll take you right up uh, until 7 o'clock. The Monday night matchup tonight, Pats and Bears. Who will win? Well, you got to come down and watch it with us. In fact, you can also not just enjoy the game, but you can enjoy all of the prizes that we will be giving away. Oh, we got a ton of stuff. In fact, our friends at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino have given us some very, very cool things. We've got a, um, a very cool insulated cup. We've got a, an umbrella, a hard drive, and also a blanket to give away from our friends at, uh, at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. In addition to that, we're going to be giving away from Relax. Two free axe-throwing sessions. It's a $50 value to relax at 808 Montana Avenue. Uh, that is a terrific prize to be given away. And from our friends at All That Music and Video, vinyl, CDs, video, gifts, located with their new expandable store, Fountains of Farrah, directly below the Best Buy parking lot. you got to check it out, folks. They've got everything. Posters, patches, buttons, pop culture, gift items, thousands of deals on classic and best-selling CDs, DVDs, and vinyl. We're going to be giving away the following prizes. History of the Patriots on DVD. Super Bowl Twenty, the big Bears 85 team. We'll give that away on DVD. We've got Bears and Patriots bottle opener keychains, and we also have the insulated lunch bags. We're going to be giving away as well. So, you want to win? Just come and join us tonight, Monday Night Football Live here at the Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. So much to talk about today on the show. Cowboys win with Dak. We'll get to all the NFL reaction. World Series is set. Huge weekend in high school and college football. But, Adrian, let's get to the big story. The Miners are 4-4. Four and four. They beat Florida Atlantic. And we could say arguably the strangest play that people have seen in a long time in football at any level took place with four and a half minutes left to go in the fourth quarter in a tight game in which Florida Atlantic was attempting the tying extra point. That's exactly right. I mean, this game had so much dramatic, so many different dramatics to it. But well, that one, of course, is the big one. It's the uh, blocked extra point that could have, uh, or that did end up tying the game at 21. And if this game, if this play had uh, decided the game, we'd probably be spending three hours talking about this controversial call. But it was so controversial and so unique that I, I feel like it's warranted that we talk about this to lead off the show, Steve. I'm with you on that one. Um, now, let's talk about what went down, okay? Number one, we've seen blocked field goals and blocked punts a million times. I have never seen a blocked field goal that took off a player's helmet in the process. The force of the extra point knocked Praise Amehule's helmet clean off. That's a new one. 
And that is what has sparked all the controversy and the play that surrounded it. Because when the ball was loose, Praise went for it initially. And then when he probably realized he was without a helmet, he backed away and put his arms up to say, I'm out of the play. In the ensuing scrum, Florida Atlantic had it, lost it. UTEP picked it up, and Latrell Shelton went the distance for what seemed to be a two-point conversion. Not so fast. The officiating crew gathered, met for about five minutes, threw a flag after consulting, decided that Praise was illegally participating in the play because he chased the ball after getting his helmet knocked off. They raised it half the distance, and they redid the extra point which Florida Atlantic converted, made it a 21-all game, and set the game up for the final play or the final drive, which was UTEP's last drive that led to Gavin Beckley's uh, field goal, which uh, also turns out to be the uh, now a program record field goal because Beckley owns the most field goals in uh, UTEP history for a career. Congratulations to Gavin on that. But let's backtrack for a second. This play was so confusing the explanation was even more confusing. The fans started the BS chant in the game, and uh, the fans were very upset. And quite frankly, Adrian, had the Miners not converted in that last drive, UTEP could have lost the game on what would have been one of the most bizarre uh, calls uh, we've seen in a long time. Yeah, this is one of those where, as it happened, um, a couple people in the booth were wondering if they would call an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty due to Praise and Mehule's helmet flying off. Like, that's understandable, right? Because if you're a disqualified player, which is the rule, uh, if you have your helmet taken off and if you participate or if you're in the obstruction of the view of a play, of the play, then you are called for the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So people thought maybe that would happen, but uh, also people thought that would... that penalty would be assessed on the kickoff and it turns out that it's assessed as a redo um, you know Florida Atlantic is able to reattempt that extra point and then ties the game up at 21 now it's interesting because in uh, his weekly press conference Dana Dimmel talked about a conference USA head official who called them after the fact and said how the the call was wrong how he um, how this basically should have been blown dead and it's just real interesting how this all really developed uh, and and, you know, I just didn't like the timing of how this penalty was called and the timing of the redo after the fact, after they already put up two points on the board. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, listen, I want to play the audio. So that way we talk about it um, and, and let you hear what Dana Dimmel said earlier this afternoon. The effort that we gave um, on that from praise and everybody up front has just been repetitive throughout the year. And, you know, right when they scored, we're all thinking, well, it's going to be 21-21. we got to go down and score. But no, it's not because we get the great effort and execution from our defensive rush on the, on the PAT and get the block, you know. And, um, and then, you know, obviously it was something that uh, all the years of coaching, I've never had that happen. Um, and these officials uh, who are experienced officials have never had it happen. And um, the first explanation to me was that we're not going to get the two points, but they're not going to get to retry the kick, Coach. So you're still going to, you know, Coach, relax. You're still going to have a lead. And then uh, they went to the center field and had further conversation and decided that they were going to re-kick it. Uh, as I found out since, I don't know if that's public or not, uh, if it's been made public yet or not, but um, 
the um, conference uh, ahead of conference officials was trying to reach out and let those guys know, but he couldn't get to them in time that the, they shouldn't have been able to re-kick the ball. Um, and so, um, you know, he uh, obviously has said that was the wrong ruling. And I'm not judging or being judgmental. It's just something that none of us have come across. But unfortunately, they got to kick it again, and they shouldn't have got to kick it again. We should have had a one-point lead in the ball, which would have changed the whole dynamics of the last four minutes and 30-some seconds because after two first downs, we could have killed it, you know, uh, could have killed the ball uh, after two first downs with three timeouts and 4.38 on the clock So uh, for the opponent. So it changed the aspect of the game, but it gave us a lot more drama, right? A lot more drama and excitement, and Gavin came through and, and hit, a, you know, hit a great kick there and really you know, had a really good ball game again. I thought our special teams did a lot of good things uh, as well, continue to do some good things. Um, we're, we're, we weren't perfect. You know, we weren't perfect in any aspect uh, of what we did anywhere, but we sure found a great way to win a football game. Yep, exactly right. Now, yeah, this is very interesting because when um, Coach Dimmel mentions the head of CUSA officiating, calling him, saying he was trying to get through to get it reversed, but it didn't happen, and the ball should have been dead the minute uh, the ball knocked off Prey was uh, knocked off Prey's helmet. That is completely different than what I uh, heard earlier today. I spoke to a veteran college football official about this same play. And he told me that the crew got it exactly right, that based on the ruling as he has seen it uh, interpreted for years, when the ball knocked off Praise's helmet, at that point, when the ball was still, uh, was still moving, he should have removed himself from the play. But because Praise chased the ball, for a good 20, 25 yards before he then removed himself and in the process kind of picked off an FAU player who was in, in pursuit as well, that at that point uh, he was an illegal participant. And since the ball was not in possession of either team at that point, that's why the ball would be moved half the distance and you would replay the extra point. That was how he interpreted the rule. And furthermore, the veteran official told me that the only way the ball is ruled dead when the helmet is knocked off is if it involves the ball carrier. Well, he wasn't the ball carrier. He was on the line blocking the play. So, Adrian, here's what's even more confusing. There is disconnect between various... um, officials in college football and if a veteran official is telling us that the crew was right but the head of CUSA officiating is saying they got it wrong then clearly we've got a problem right now and unfortunately it is such a unique situation that might never happen again every college football official needs to make sure that they are on the same page if and when this ever happens again
Yeah, this is such a once in a blue moon kind of uh, you know play that might never, like you said, might never happen again. Uh, this is one of those things where the refs have been around for a long time; they've never seen it. Dana Dimmel's been around for a long time; he's never seen anything like this. And uh, and and unfortunately for UTEP, they had to be kind of on the bad end of that. And you heard from Dana Dimmel. I mean, can you imagine being told, "All right, coach, hold down, hold on. You're still going to have the lead. We're just uh, worried. We're just kind of determining whether or not he's allowed to run." back and then they go back to him and say oh actually never mind we're going to re-kick this one and the extra point will be basically a redo so I I think it's got to be one of those roller coaster of emotions if you're a coach like Dimmel Uh, it's got to be nerve-wracking you know as far as what this ended up happening but you know if UTEP doesn't if UTEP scores and and like they did uh, this one we we can kind of put to rest but it's still real interesting and so controversial to revisit especially knowing if this happens again how will this be called in a game exactly exactly that's right a hundred percent a hundred percent man um i don't know what to say but utep's i mean i guess utep's pretty fortunate they got out of this all right right exactly pretty fortunate we would we'd be talking about a whole different um, you know scenario if UTEP loses this game. We'd be talking about the refs and and everybody would want to blame uh, the the call at the end, rightfully so, because those uh, it felt like at least at that point that that kick shouldn't have been uh, you know redone right there. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all I can tell you is I'm happy for UTEP that they were able to win, but man oh man, nothing like a little controversy to start off your Monday afternoon. Uh, that's for sure. On such a unique play, it has it made national news. It's never. I mean, you've never seen this before. A football helmet knocked off by the force of a feel of an extra point, a kick. That's got to be a new one, Adrian. I've never heard of that. You know, there's also an argument, Steve, that if uh, UTEP actually got those points, or maybe they didn't, but they're like up two points or up three points or up one point, whatever it is, there's an argument that UTEP isn't able to get a first down. They boot it back as a punt. Uh, FAU marches down the field. They score and win the game. So it, it's kind of interesting how it all ended up, and I felt like as as controversial as the call was, as mad as the fans were, as mad as the team was, it kind of fueled that last drive. I mean, a four-minute, 36-second uh, drive to close yep. out the game and have your kicker uh, you know, boot one in as far as a game winner and break a historical record. It kind of felt a little, you know, like kind of like the right thing, um, and, and how it ended up happening. Well, it is. Maybe that's, maybe that's poetic justice then, right? It just happened the way um, it just, you know, we, we I don't want to say, you know, it, uh, it, was, it was perfect, but... I mean, the crowd, whoever, the crowd that was there was really into it, weren't they? Really into it. Yeah, it was so, I mean, it was so much controversy. And everybody on Twitter was blowing it up, thinking that this was the, the worst call ever made. And, and maybe it was a bad call, but there are those out there, like you mentioned, a veteran official out there that you spoke with, who believe it was the right call. So it's just so much controversy on all levels. I'm with you on that one. All right, 505-6009. That is our telephone number as we kick things off. Would love to hear from you. Uh, I am looking at Pinky on the on the app who messages us and says, if FAU would have won the game, wow. It is what it is. Blown call, yes. Bottom line, Miners came away with the dub, but tail of two halves, and UTEP won the important second half. That's very true. Very, very true. All right. More in a moment as Sports Talk continues, but first let's get uh, our traffic update as uh, Charlie One is back and has this report for us. 
23 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. One line open, 505-6009. We're live right now. Border City Alehouse getting you ready for Monday Night Football in a couple of hours. Bears and Pats come down, win tons of prizes, enjoy three, four, five dollar pints, enjoy four dollar uh, Fireball and five dollar Jack and Jack flavors every Monday here at the Ale House. Uh, Chema, I mentioned her at the start of the show. She's also with us along with Adrian Broadus. Chema, you were at the game. I saw a great shot of you and Nate Poss afterwards. Um, how were you able to try and sort through the confusion as uh, you were watching everything unfold late in the fourth quarter? You know what, Steve? I, I saw the play happen. I was, like, sitting on the 50. I saw the play happen. I was, like, in complete shock just to see, like, praise and his, his arm length just, you know, block the field goal kick. And then you have that, that the ball um, go into a touchdown, and then they call it back. And I was just – I honestly – it kind of happened too fast for me to actually like comprehend what happened, but like just the crowd and like everything, it kind of just, it just felt like it just felt nice, like just having that crowd like support the UTEP Miners. You thought it was a two point conversion, like everybody else did. I'm sure. Um, you know what's even weirder is this, and this is a great point. Chad uh, Middleton brought this up via text. He texted into the show a moment ago, and he said, "Was ch- was praise checked for a concussion?" And you think about it, Adrian. If the force of a football hits you so hard in your helmet that it knocks your helmet clean off, just the blunt force of that blow, given the speed and what it did, you you know what? He's not being funny. Chad's being 100% serious, wondering, was Praise checked for a concussion after getting hit that hard where it knocked his helmet clean off? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't heard of that. Um, I hadn't heard anybody bring that one up um, You know, after that. But it's true. I mean, hey, a, a force of an impact of, of a football like that definitely could cause a concussion. Uh, and, hey, if that's the case, if there was any kind of uh, impairment to uh, you know Praise and Mayhule at that point, maybe that changed his uh, direction on what decision he made uh, to actually go after the ball or you know throw up his hands and like like he did at the end and and kill the play when it was all said and done yeah because if you think about it if there was some kind of uh of a concussion situation maybe that does explain why he chased the play down for the first couple seconds before he then backed off who knows who really knows but um you know it's i didn't think about the concussion angle until chad brought it up and hey that probably should have been uh, addressed at some point you know yeah, it's real interesting. I hadn't heard of that. I'd, I'd be curious to ask Dana Dimmel if, if they had uh, heard anything on that end or if, or if praise was totally fine afterwards. Yep, absolutely. All right, 26 past the hour. Let's get to the phones right now. we got two calls to get to as we start it off. Let's go to Orly. He's first off here on a Monday. Orly, welcome back. How you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, I thought... When he backed off, I think I thought he could have I realized I can't be involved in this play. That's how I took it. I think he realized I can't touch the ball because I hit it first. That's True, but, he, but right. But he also pursued it for a couple of sec. He ran 25 right. yards before that part happened. You know, he didn't just back off at the line of scrimmage. He was in full right. pursuit of that football. So had he backed off at the scrimmage, they wouldn't have called the penalty. Yeah. Okay, that's how that's interpreted. Hey, main thing, we got the win, and that's that's the main thing. I'm that's glad we did, and now 
they got to take care of business at home if they want to get another bowl. They've got the two games at home they can win. This week's not going to be a slouch. Middle Tennessee's good. They went into Miami and blew them out. So, Listen, I, I don't I don't see the Miners. I mean, I think they can get to 6-6, six and six, but I think they've got to yes. beat Middle and they've got to beat FIU. I don't think they beat Rice on the road, and I definitely don't think they beat uh, UTSA on the road. I, if you look at past history, they struggle with Rice all the time. Yep. And the UTSA is the best team right now. I can't believe how they beat North Texas, but North Texas has their number. They've always played them tight. Uh, let's go to the 49er game yesterday. Tell all the 49er fans out there and all the people that have called me, relax. It's one game. They're going to be fine. They're, they were 3-5 and five last year and made the run. So they'll be fine. I mean, they've got the weapons. They'll figure this out. They've got the Rams this week. They need to take care of the Rams on the road and get to the bye week, and we'll be just fine. you got too many weapons on that offense to worry about it. And they want to blame the quarterback. Yeah, he threw a bad pass in the end zone, but he threw a lot of better passes before that. I have a tendency to – I've always said I hate the play calling. They play – very conservative when they get inside the 20 sometimes. And you're not going to beat a team like Kansas City by kicking field goals. You're going to have to put up the full points. And that was their downfall. When they settled for the field goals after the the first drive and then uh, on, the, on the third drive, you can't settle for field goals and, and expect to win. Not against a Kansas City team. Yep. But yep. It's all right. It's just like they said in the past, relax. We'll be just fine. The 49ers will be there. They've got a, they've got a pretty weak division. They do. Uh, they absolutely do. That's a, that is yeah. 100% correct. 100% yes. correct. They've got a weak If you've got Seattle leading the division with Geno Smith, that tells you a lot. So yep. the 49ers have to take care of business this week, get in their bye week, and come out against the, the L.A. Chargers. I mean, and then we'll be fine. Just right the ship. I'm not even worried about Tampa Bay on their schedule now. Tampa Bay is struggling. And so is Green Bay. Green Bay has no offense. I feel sorry for for Jones because he's on a situation where he just, I mean, poor Aaron. But it is what it is. I mean, he played a good game, but bottom line is they have no offense. And that's, you blame the general manager on that at Green Bay. Yeah, well, they listen, they let Devontae Adams go. And ultimately, there is, they don't have a single number one receiver. Forget number one. They don't even have a number two receiver on that team. Well, that's because Rodgers doesn't trust anybody. He's got to learn. I mean, you can't have everything. You're such a great quarterback, Rodgers. You adjust to what you have. Yeah. Yep. And go All with right. your strength. You got the strength in the running back, and you don't use him inside the 10, inside the 5? Yeah. Something's well, listen. Wrong. Aaron Jones had two touchdowns yesterday. I don't know if you saw the yes. second catch. Yeah. It was amazing. Aaron Jones is the best receiver on that team, okay? He is the best receiver on that Packers team right now. That's because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have trust in the other. Re- now, I, I just, it's part of that, but part of that is also Aaron, Aaron Jones just is unbelievable and makes plays. I mean, you saw oh, yeah. the two plays he made yesterday were incredible, so. Appreciate it, Orly. Thanks for the call. Thanks for getting in. 
Uh, bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, the truth is, Adrian, uh, I, you know, you watch enough Packer football, and yesterday's game wasn't on. They had the Giants game instead on against Jacksonville. But um, you know, the truth of, of the matter is, um, you know, Rodgers just doesn't have the weapons right now. I think that's pretty obvious. I don't know, Steve. I think I'm I'm kind of siding. I watched that whole game yesterday, and, and Rodgers can't do some of the things like he used to. And I, I don't want to be the person who's like, oh, well, he's old and washed, because he could still uh, throw the passes. He could still make plays when, when it matters, but he's kind of throwing that ball a little earlier. He's not taking that, that hit, you know, before that big throw. And he doesn't trust his receivers. He doesn't trust his play caller in, in Lafleur. I mean, he's uh, shouting expletives uh, to the side Lines throughout yesterday's game frustrated at the play calling so there's a disconnect between the coach the front office and the quarterback in Green Bay how does a guy that just won back-to-back MVP suddenly not have it? Yeah, he doesn't have it with these guys. I, maybe it's the play calling, though. I, it, maybe they need to uh, dumb it down and be more simple. Run the football with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Uh, play more, you know, under center and kind of do kind of like a Patriots style offense. Watch the Patriots tonight. That's the kind of offense the Packers need to have. We'll get to Victor and Brian right after uh, Mr. Broadus, who's back with this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. As we go, let's head over to Victor. He's hanging out with us as well. Victor, welcome aboard. What's going on? Hey, Steve. Hey, Adrian. Hope you guys are doing well this uh, this afternoon. I have a couple of questions. Um, sure. Do you ever see, Steve, and you can chime in on this as well, Adrian, if you wish. Do you guys ever see in the future, there, there seems to be a lot of inconsistency in college football and pro football refereeing, officiating inconsistency across the board. Do you guys ever see, like, during an offseason, the the uh, pro refs and the college refs uh, being retrained from top to bottom to shorten the, the frequency of the inconsistency to make sure everybody is on the same page? All right, I have an answer, but before I get to my answer, let me get to Adrian's answer. Go ahead, Adrian. It's so interesting because we talk, you and I talked about this today, Steve. Um, I'm in favor of t- either two routes. So number one, you have every um, you know every play, every penalty uh, as reviewable. Number two, you have a, a specific or you have a specific ref who is dedicated in the booth to replay penalties and, and phone in the right call when if needed, you know? Um, I don't think it'll ever happen. Okay, I don't think that will ever happen. That being said, Adrian and I did talk about this very subject. I do believe that there should not be a situation where a play is not reviewable. I believe that especially if something is controversial like Saturday, it should absolutely be reviewable. Nothing under any way in any circumstances should be considered strictly judgment calls not under review. I, I don't think it does justice to replay if there are certain things that simply cannot be reviewed. So in my mind, everything should be reviewable. Not to say they will review everything, but in a play like Saturday's game, that should have been reviewed, and others should be as well. And my second question, Stephen, Adrian, any updates on the uh, San Jose State game situation? Um, I heard a- December 3rd. I heard December 3rd will be the makeup date in Cruces. However, if um, San Jose is playing for a, a Mountain West championship, that obviously couldn't be played. 
So I think that's the caveat. But that was – Adrian, I don't know about you. That's the date I heard. Well, actually, we just heard something recently. This is uh, per Colin Deaver of KTSM. He says uh, New Mexico State is actually looking at options during their current uh, November 5th bye week. Four teams currently available, Wyoming, Nevada, Sam Houston, and Jacksonville State. Interesting. All right, so they might not – so uh, the Aggies might not play. And I guess the reason is is that if San Jose State possibly is in the Mountain West Championship, do you really want to risk waiting until the final week before you know if you're going to get that game? I guess if you're the Aggies, probably makes more sense, Adrian and Victor, to make sure you've got one so that you don't reschedule then have to see it get get canceled again. Yeah, exactly. I actually I completely agree with you there because if you have something in place with a team that currently has an open week right there at that November 5th period, uh, why not do that instead of hoping that San Jose uh, is available December 4th? Nevada, come to Las Cruces again, guys. Say that again. Would Nevada come to Las Cruces again? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't necessarily know if they're top of the list. Let's put it that way. Uh, they probably there's other um, other options, but I, I think Wyoming, Sam Houston, and Jacksonville State makes more sense. I agree with you guys. Have a good afternoon. Keep up the good work, Steve and Adrian. Appreciate the call. And the truth is this, Adrian, um, those three, you know, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston, and Wyoming, they might want to get paid to come into town. Yeah, does it, really, even, make, really does it even make sense if you're the Aggies to do that and, and spend the money it would cost to bring them in? Yeah, you almost think, like, I, I know you hate to lose a game, but you almost think that if the options don't make sense, eh, just have 11 games on your calendar. And, and unfortunately for the Aggies, they'd have, they had to let that one kind of go if well, that were to be the case. Here's what I say. Tell San Jose State you'll play them on, on, uh, on December 3rd with the caveat that if they play in the championship game, it's off. That way, you know the game is scheduled. You know they'll come and fulfill what they were supposed to do, but you don't uh, put yourself in a spot to, uh, you know, to potentially, um, you know, have to spend more money to bring somebody else in for the November second game. Yeah, if it makes sense, and you're not necessarily spending a lot of money, or you're kind of spending maybe similar dollars as you were to to bring San Jose initially, maybe it would make sense. But I don't know if that's the case. And hey, yeah. you know, the interesting part about obviously playing uh, teams like uh, Sam Houston State is that that's a, a future Conference USA member that the Aggies will have Good to play point. against. Good point. Let's go to Brian from downtown, then we'll take a timeout here as we continue 39 past the hour on Sports Talk Live from the Ale House. Brian, what's going on? How are you? I'm fine. Listen, I, I have a different take on this uh, deal. I think there needs to be a, a rules change. You know, if you are kicking for the extra point and it doesn't go through the uprights one way or another, whether it's blocked or whether it's a line drive, that wasn't blocked yes, uh, on Saturday. That ball was kicked so low, it hit him under the chin of the helmet. He, his arm, it didn't hit his outstretched arms. You see what I mean? Yeah, now, it not, right. It, but it, right. it lodged the helmet completely right, off his head. Regardless, yes. it didn't go through the uprights, dead ball. I'm sorry. Yep. It should yep. be a, now, if you're, if you're going for two, it's a different story. Now, if it's a fumble, you know, you get to go run it the other way and get the two points. But if you're making attempt the point after a PAT and it doesn't go through the uprights, it's a dead ball. 
that would solve a lot of issues. Then you can't have the possibility of a two-point conversion. No, why they decided to do that, and it hasn't been that many years that they made it that way. I don't know why they did it the way they did it, but it's kind of a dumb dumb rules change in that direction if you ask me. Now what no, if I'm you uh, what if you fake an extra point and and, and throw it? Should it be considered a two-point conversion you, then? Absolutely. That's different. You're not kicking the ball. Well, no, you are. You're just faking it. No. You're not kicking the ball. It never hit your foot to go over the goalpost. That's not okay. a PAT. Gotcha. I gotcha. It's either a PAT or it's not. If you're going for two, it's not a PAT. Well, just uh, in the sense of the rule, again, Brian, what happened Saturday, I've never seen it before, and I'm sure you probably haven't either. No. But uh, aside from that, I, well, I mean, that's just my take on it. But I have a whole different take on the game itself. I have never seen – now, they're, they're ESPN just like you guys are, right? I know it's ESPN Plus, and they have to hire local people to do things, but I have never seen a worse – photographed game in my entire life not high school not college not pro i can't tell you how many times the cameraman lost the ball it's ridiculous who are these people i well they're local number one um and i think it's the same people that have been doing games forever i don't think they're any different um and i don't know what happened but i was at the game so i couldn't tell you i didn't i didn't watch a lick of it on espn plus well if they, if it's a, if you're able to see it again, you can see. Now, fortunately, uh, that play, that PAT, uh, that that crazy play, that was photographed well. But uh, but through the entire game, it was very very poorly done. I can't I can't tell you how many times they lost the ball. Yeah, you never saw the ball in the play. Wow. <laughs> they didn't follow the ball with a pass. They, I mean, it was just very poorly done. I, 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 I'm ashamed to say there were local guys because our local guys are pretty good. But the guys that were hired to shoot the game, they were not. Okay. Appreciate you, Brian. 18 in front of five. Back with more live from the Ale House. The Sports Talk continues right here. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue, 505-6009. That is our telephone number. That's 505 505- Six zero zero nine. If you would like to get in, six hundred ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Um, Ed McDonald tweeted in NMSU bring Dion in. His team would give the attendance a boost. Raffle off one of his gold chains for charity. Uh, that would be Jackson State, Ed, not Jacksonville State. There is a difference. Jacksonville State is the team with the bye week, not uh, Jackson. So. I uh, just wanted to make sure I did check. Jackson State is actually playing uh, on the week that NMSU would be looking. So that is also an interesting storyline uh, as we continue. So Cesar Esparza tweeted the show before we went on the air. What are the odds we are discussing CUSA officiating this afternoon? Well, Caesar, if you're a betting man, you probably should have bet the, uh, bet the house. You would have won. As simple as that, right? Yeah, that's exactly oh. right. That was a, a huge talking point, and it w- it will continue to be a huge talking point, I think, uh, when people reflect back on this game. Hey, I love the um, Northwestern game for next year's UTEP schedule. I think that is perfect. And to me, if you're ever going to be getting $1.2 million for a Power 5 school, take a school that you at least have a shot to try to win a game. 
That's a nice way to put it, Steve, because I, I just feel like Northwestern's terrible. Like, they're a bad program. And, like, the fact that UTEP got this, it, it's still kind of shocking to me. I, I feel like this is a huge win for this group because having a chance to – look, I'll just put it into perspective. Western Kentucky, uh, they beat out – they nearly knocked off Indiana. And Indiana's like a so-so team in, in the Big Ten this year. They're 3-5. and five. Usually they're a little bit better than that. But Northwestern's 1-6. and six. They're terrible. And they're also 0-4 at home. Home. So they're a terrible group, and the fact that UTEP got them on the radar for next year, uh, I'm excited about that. I mean, listen, uh, they they won on the uh, Eastern Time Zone for the first time in their history. They beat Boise, which was their biggest win probably in the last 30 years uh, out in non-conference play. And next year, if they can go to Northwestern and beat them, That'll be their first Power 5 win in the history of the program. Now, I don't want to get too excited to ahead of ourselves, but, Adrian, that is the ideal uh, money game if you're uh, if you're Jim Center and Dana Dimmel. Yeah, and it's it's really, Steve, it, this one right there is the opportunity. It's not like, hey, they're, they're, it's a given they're going to go out and beat Northwestern on the road, but it's no. an opportunity to go up against one of the lower-level uh, Power 5 teams and give your team a great shot at trying to knock off a Power 5 school for the first time in, in program history. We'll talk more about it coming up in hour number two. We're live hanging with you out here. 1506 Lee Trevino, Border City Alehouse, getting you ready for Monday Night Football with 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk, along with Adrian Broadus, Chema, Utep Zay, and whoever else walks into the studios over the next uh, two hours. I'm Steve Kaplowitz coming your way live from Border City Alehouse. 1506 Lee Trevino, getting you ready for what I hope is Baylor Zappi's Monday night debut. Do we know yet if Mac Jones is going to quarterback or if it's going to be Zappi in an hour? Per Ian Rappaport, it looks like uh, Mac Jones is trending to play tonight. Oh, no Bailey God. Zappi, unfortunately, Steve. Well, I'm I don't so know. Disappointed. I don't know. Listen, as president of the Bailey Zappi fan club, I'm not happy with this. I am not happy. Now, I will say that you can't. I really can't be president of the Baylor Zappi fan club uh, since he plays for uh, the rival for the Jets, the Patriots. I love him, but he's the enemy. So that's just what it comes down to. But he's been great. He has been great. Um, if, if I was to look right now at the standings, if I was to have told you seven weeks ago, okay, that the Jets would be five and two, the Giants would be six and one, the Packers would be three and four, the Bucks would be three and four, and the Rams would be three and three, you would have said I'm nuts. Absolutely crazy. All right? But that's the new reality that is the NFL season this year. It is wild what's happened so far. So much uncertainty surrounding the NFL on a week-to-week basis. By the way, I said this earlier with Adrian in the first hour of the show. Aaron Jones is the offense for the Green Bay Packers. That second catch he made yesterday was spectacular. He's done it before, but it just wasn't enough. That was the problem. And by the way, the reason Aaron Jones can't run the ball has nothing to do with Aaron Jones. It's because the offensive line for the Packers has been awful this whole season. I mean, they haven't given Rodgers enough time to get comfortable, and they haven't opened up any holes in the running game in weeks. So 
You know, Aaron Jones rushed eight times for 23 yards. You see when he's out on the football field what he's capable of, but even when you've got an explosive back like Jones and a bruiser like Dylan, if your O-line is not helping you out, there's only so much those guys can do in that offense. No doubt, and I, I feel like uh, out of all the things that you just listed, Steve, uh, out of the most surprising to me at least is the Packers and the and the Bucks being at three oh, yeah. and four on the season right now. Because you know, I, I just looked at the NFC the way it was structured, and I thought that it was wide open for the Packers to take it and and to reign like as kings over everybody else. But the way that this roster was built by the front office, and you know, they lost their offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett over to uh, Denver. I mean, that that's obviously caused some problems with the play calling and Aaron Rodgers not really trusting what's going on offensively. This is, It's just a mess out in Green Bay. It's an, They hit an all-time low yesterday by losing to the Commanders, who started Taylor Heineke for, the, for his first game of the season. By the way, that's another story, okay? Would the Commanders be 3-4 and four if Heineke started the whole time and they just ditched um, the Carson Wentz experiment and never acquired him to begin with? That's another problem. Heineke was good last year with Washington. Took him to the postseason. Then they went and they got Carson Wentz, and they were a 500 football team. Don't be surprised if Heineke gets Washington back to the playoffs, Adrian. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would not because the the way that he he's a he's a gamer. He's gonna throw some interceptions like he did yesterday. The pick six where you thought, oh, this is over. Packers are gonna run away with it. But the way that he's able to fight back in games, that's what's admirable for him. And look at the quarterbacks out yesterday. I mean, you see uh, an XFL quarterback like Taylor Heineke lead his Washington Commanders to victory over the Green Bay Packers. And then on the flip side, you see another XFL MVP in PJ Walker lead his Carolina. <laughs> The Panthers to victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who would have thought? This is so it's crazy what we're seeing so far this year in the NFL. And PJ was good. 16 out of 22, 177, two touchdowns, no interceptions, sacked once. And then look at what uh, Foreman did yesterday running the ball now that there's no Christian McCaffrey. 118 on the ground, and now you add that with Hubbard, 63 yards. That's 181 yards combined between the two guys. Oh, a little Ewing theory right there, Steve. Uh, you know, getting rid of Christian McCaffrey this past week, the other running backs a little hungrier this yep. week for Carolina. Yep. I would roll with P.J. Walker for the rest of the year. Hey, look, Baker Mayfield, when he was playing, he, he was arguably one of the worst starting quarterbacks in all the NFL, so can't get much worse than him. Why not roll out P.J. Walker? Why not at least try him out for the rest of the season instead of defaulting to Sam Darnold once he's back from injured reserve? 100%. 100% agree with you. So, yeah, that is really interesting, too. So, if you want to talk NFL, we'd love to get that going with you. Uh, that would be a lot of fun because there were some really, really interesting games yesterday in particular. Uh, you look at the results of what went down. Giants hanging on to beat the Jags. You mentioned it. Panthers destroyed the Bucks. Commanders had a big lead on the Packers, and they hung on. Uh, what's going on right now with the Colts? The Cowboys opening up in the second half behind Dak Prescott to beat Jared Goff and the Lions. That was a big story. Joe Burrow went nuts yesterday. Almost 500 yards of passing and three touchdowns. Two of those to uh, Jamar Chase. We could talk about that. Ravens beat the Browns by a field goal. Raiders get back on the winning track. How about what Seattle did? Nobody's talking about that. Kenneth Walker looked amazing yesterday. A buck 68 and two touchdowns. And Seattle beats the Chargers. 
37 to 23. That was a huge storyline yeah, yesterday. Yeah, you know, you see what Geno Smith has has brought to the Seattle offense. Everybody wants to say, oh, and, and if you haven't watched Seattle football, you're just defaulting and saying, oh, that defense is what's carrying them. No, 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 that's not the case at all because Geno Smith is sustaining drives. He's finishing drives. He's scoring a lot of points against opponents, and he's finding different receivers in the game like Marquise Goodwin, who's now uh, you know standing out, Tyler Lockett, who's playing really well. And then, like you said, now that you have Ken, Kenneth Walker the third really stepping up as the rookie running back. This is a, a scary Seattle team right now who can maybe find their way into the playoffs in a really, really questionable NFC West. I would love to talk NFL action with you today. I would love to. Just like I'd love to talk baseball. Yanks are out. Oh, we're going to have to talk about what the Yankees need to do. How are they going to blow up this team during the offseason? And should that include getting rid of Aaron Boone as well as the architect, the guy that has been there for over 20 years? Yeah, that's right. Brian Cashman, Mr. Untouchable. It might be time to make a change. We'll talk Yankees coming up on the show. We'll talk Padres and what I considered the worst in-game strategy I have ever seen, bunting for a sure out when you already have the tying run and scoring position in the ninth inning of an elimination game with one out. I've never seen that before, and I hope I never see it again. Why was Trent Christian batting in the first place? And if he is batting, how do you have him bunt to put you in a situation to where, yeah, you've got runners in second and third, but now two outs with one out to go, and then the, and the Phillies clinch? I couldn't believe it. Still can't believe it. So you want to talk baseball? We could talk baseball. You want to talk UTEP? We could talk UTEP. In fact, we spent time on the minors in the first hour. Let's do a little minor talk mashup. If you missed any of minor talk presented by the Oscar Arrieta Allstate Agency, and we're going to be giving out awards today as well, plus UTEP Zay just entered the building. Let's let you get a little sample of what it was like with uh, Adrian, Sal, and uh, Jason following the game Saturday on 600 ESPN El Paso. Jason Craig, Sal Montes in the building. We've got a big one to talk about today. UTEP defeats Florida Atlantic 24-21 of a game-winning field goal by the new program record holder for field goals made at UTEP. It's Gavin Beckley. Our fall intern, UTEP Zay, is jumping on the phones. He wants to talk a little UTEP football. In my opinion, it was just this team faced a lot of adversity, especially, you know, the pick six, everything. It felt like the momentum was going for FAU. And they did they, they did their thing, you know. They came back. They they finally overcame that adversity that I I didn't think it was going to happen. Milkman, what's going on? I'm still in shock uh, that they let them re-kick that. That I I could not like I get it. Okay, so you know it's the weird rule. That, yeah, all right, fine. How do you give them another shot at it? That that I don't understand that at all. The entire crowd, while we, it wasn't very big, and I will I will take credit. I was the one that I'm not going to cuss, but. I started the BS call, but anyway, yeah, it just it, I'm really happy that they got a win. Jose is joining us next on the phones. The running attack that we got, man, really impressed me today. It reminded me a lot of uh, Thunder and Lightning. they got to keep on doing that, man. They, they opened up some huge holes. The, the, the running attack that we got is fantastic, man. And I, and I agree. I think we should go 7-5, and five, man. I think, we, I think we got this, man. Ed, what's going on? Deion Hanskins changed the game on that run. He is the man. And Awat 
and him are awesome. Okay, point one. Number two, Ray Flores always, always makes plays. Number three, that was a beautiful play on the two-point conversion. That was a beautiful throw by Gavin. Number four, Gavin showed amazing patience that he hasn't shown earlier in the year when he rolled out and hit Ray on that touchdown pass. It looked like he was going to run. He made him think he was going to run, and then at the last second, he threw the touchdown. Thanks to George for patiently waiting. He is next here on Minor Talk. I, I really believe strongly in the run. I think the short passing game is, is good for him. I think it works for him. Our defense folded at times, but they didn't bend. Jadron Taylor was awesome. All in all, this team showed you know resiliency when it came to adversity. Great stuff. Great uh, job, Adrian, putting that together. All right. We'll hear for more, more from Adrian and uh, from UTEP Zayn, from Chema in a little bit. Let's go to the phones. 505-6009. First, we got Ray on the line. Ray, what's up, man? How are you? This is Richard. Oh, hey, Richard. Good to hear from you, man. How you doing? So, brother. How you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Always a pleasure. Uh, I heard I heard a second beep, so I don't know if we're conferencing with anybody. But anyhow, no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. Hey, uh, so uh, the Yankees are out. They deserve to be out. Okay. Yep. So I agree. I don't want to hear any crying from damn Yankee fans. And then uh, the other thing is, you know, I was rooting for the Padres, but I guess now I'm going to have to uh, like. Just root against the Astros for you know. I know I know everybody tells you know tells you oh get over it, but Astros I think they should have been like I don't know. You get you get an owner that says some wrong things. You get an owner that kind of acts up. Everybody wants them to sell the team, but you got an owner that gets caught, you know, cheating. Uh, on on America's sport, you know what I mean, with the with the garbage can banging thing, but he gets to keep his team, right? Yep. So, I mean, so kind of a double standard, triple standard, whatever. I, I think that clown should have been forced to sell. Okay, but you know, everybody just has that plausible deniability, you know, of uh, trying to say you know they didn't know or. You know, the the people responsible are going to be fired, whatever. I, I just don't want Astros to win. I'll root with anybody that goes against them. Good. Put them you're there. a Phillies I fan now. Now well, you're a well, Phillies fan. There you go. Well, okay, if you want to say that. but were you rooting for, really, Now were you rooting for the Yankees? As much as you hate New York, were you – because this is tough for you. This is a moral dilemma. You hate yeah. New York – and you hate the Astros. Who were you actually rooting for? Watching for injuries, you know, watching there you that go. series. There you go. So, I love that answer. That's so good my stuff. Gators, my Gators right now, they're going up against the number one team in the nation on this coming Saturday. Yep. At the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which I guess you're not allowed to say that anymore, but I still know it as that. Okay, many many of a Gator Bowl and and weekly festivities, you know, I, I was there in Jacksonville enjoying all that. Okay, but you know that's why they play the game, Steve. Uh, I, I think the Gators are going to like surprise everybody, just like 
Alabama got surprised, just like Texas A&M gets surprised. Whenever you got SEC teams going head-to-head, you never, you never really know what the outcome is. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, Richard. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks for getting in. Let me duck in, Ray, then we'll go to break. 16 past here as Sports Talk continues. Your turn, Ray. Thanks for uh, hanging with us. No, no problem, guys. It's been a long time. I'm going through this depressed state of blah, blah, land sports right now. You know, you brought up so many different things. Each time I thought I knew what I wanted to talk to, something else you brought up came to mind as well. I have to piggyback off the previous caller. You know, having the, the Dodgers go out in a in a way that I I still I can't I can't believe it. I haven't been able to grip it yet. It's just to see baseball going on and know that we won 111 games and we're not there. And then you know, like he said, to see the Astros there, I just I cannot root for them. I am a Dusty Baker fan. He's been one of my all-time Dodger favorites forever, but I cannot root for him in that uniform. I just you know, there's no way that can happen. You know, like people would say in the past that when the Dodgers were looking for a shortstop, well, Correa's name kept coming up, and I'm like, no way in heck do you ever put that guy in a Dodger uniform, ever, that guy coming to Dodger uniform. I don't care. He picks the top of the list of shortstops, and he's going to make you, that guy never puts on a Dodger uniform. So, you know, you, like you were saying, Steve, do you become a Phillies fan? You know, for me, it would have been great for baseball all of a sudden to have to go on strike. But, yeah, I guess the Phillies, you know, it doesn't matter. I just want baseball to end as fast as possible. So that way I don't have to think about it anymore and we can start thinking about next year. And then it's after that, it's trying to figure out how do you get up for next year when you won 111. There's not a whole lot much better you can do when you become the fourth best winning team in history. But you just got to plug forward and hopefully they're able to be able to fill at the right spots. It was ironic that when you spoke about uh, the referees, and all the controversial decisions. I read an article over the weekend from the Los Angeles Times, and it came out about the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Don't know if you guys heard about it or saw it, but it's very interesting to look up and read. They're discussing and investigating Pac-12 and Big 12 officials now making calls based on the fact that they feel slighted because it's going to take away money, it's going to take away games, that they are making calls against teams that are leaving the conferences. There were two very controversial calls in the USC-Utah game uh, two weekends ago where they roughing the passer that led to Utah's win over SC, who's leaving the conference. And then this past weekend, it was brought up, which I'm sure you guys noticed, the Texas-Oklahoma State game. The, the great disparity in penalties, 14-0, to Texas 14 Oklahoma State zero penalties in a conference game with Big 12 officials, and also that the, all the penalties that were given to Oklahoma State, which are only six, they were all offset by Texas penalties as well. Hmm. So again, something to to ponder and think about. You brought up the NFL, and you know it's easy to look great when you have your armor, your weapons, and your troops, but when you look at Rodgers and Brady now at their ages and looking at their depleted troops and how they don't have all of that around them any longer. And now they're forced to actually show what they can do and what kind of leaders they are. And their age is catching up with them and to say, yeah, you know what, maybe it's time for you guys to hang it up because, you know, all that griping and all your yelling at your linemen and everything in public and humiliating them, I think it's time to just look in the mirror. Maybe it's time for you to find it to say, you know what, I think I should go take care of my family. 
And when you look at the last thing, see, when you brought up, you know, the NFL and everything that's happening this year, could you imagine the NFC West, when we started the season, was supposed to be, if not the best, one of the top three divisions in football. Who would have thought at the halfway mark you'd have had Seattle at the top of the NFC West leading San Francisco, the Rams, and the Cardinals? That's a great point. Not me. Not me. That's for sure. Well, and look what happened. You're right. That's the reality of the situation. It's pretty crazy. Good job today. Appreciate you, Ray. Great to hear from you. 21 Pass, back with more right after Charlie in traffic. We're live here, Border City L House. Sports talk as we continue. 26 now past the hour. 505-6009, that's our telephone number. We're giving away some great prizes here at halftime tonight of the Pats and the Bears. We've got, courtesy of our friends at All That Music and Video, the insulated lunch bags for both the Patriots and the Bears. We've got DVDs, the history of the Patriots on DVD, and the Bears Super Bowl Twenty team on DVD, not to mention the keychain bottle openers will be given away at halftime as well. From our friends at Relax on, uh, on Montana Avenue, 808 Montana, we're going to be giving away two free axe-throwing sessions. That is a $50 value. On top of that, our friends at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, we're going to be giving away a blanket, an insulated cup, a flash drive, and an umbrella. That is really cool. Love those prizes from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. That's all for people that come today, sign up for free to win here at halftime for New England and Chicago, which gets underway in less than one hour. So looking forward to all of that here as uh, Sports Talk continues. All right, so much more to get to. UTEP Zay, I want to get your instant reaction. Now you've had a chance, I don't have an instant, you've had a chance to think about the UTEP game for the last 48 hours. I'm sure it's been percolating with you. Um, first off, we've talked at, at length about the call we still are finding out there's disconnect between the head of Conference USA and a veteran college football official that I spoke to today. Their interpretations of the rules are completely different. That being said, the Miners got the win. Give me a reaction. Um, I'm happy, excited that, you know, you have a real chance now to go to back-to-back bowl games for the first time in a while. And the schedule, you know, it's looking pretty good for the Miners. It is. Although, I agree, but okay, let's just say this. They have four games left. Rice on the road will be tough. UTSA on the road will be very, very tough. All right? I don't, you know, to say that UTEP's going to go and, and win one or two of those games is, 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 is a stretch, even if you love UTEP. But Middle Tennessee, if they play well, can be a win. FIU, if they play well, should be a win. That is six and six right there, Zay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, the Rice game will be tough for, for me, for UTEP. I think it just comes down to matchups. I think UTEP can, if if it comes down to matchups, if a team has an explosive offense, I think this defense struggles immensely. You saw that against Charlotte. You saw that against Louisiana Tech. But I think they have a favorable matchup coming up against Middle Tennessee with a subpar offense, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think 6-6 six and six is very possible. All right. 
Uh, Adrian, we look at the numbers uh, from the game. By the way, 12,796 fans at the Sun Bowl, 12,796. I thought that's about right. When I was there, it felt like about uh, you know 12 uh, plus, but not much more than that. So I thought that crowd was pretty accurate. I would say 80% of the fans were on the press box side, another 20% on the east side of the stadium. Deion Hankins, man, what a game. 17 carries, 138 yards. He had that 72-yard run, but when he ran the ball again this week, he just looks like a man. He looks like the Deion Hankins we saw as a freshman. Yeah, I thought uh, Dana Dimmel described it really well uh, today in his weekly press conference, talking about how he believes D- there's, there's not many running backs across the country who runs harder than Deion Hankins. He's such a tough runner. Like He's, he's hard to bring down. Uh, he's somebody who can just uh, run downfield. And like you saw in that 72-yard run, he could turn on the Jets, albeit he was caught at the end, but it was basically an ankle tackle. It was a desperation tackle uh, by the safety. Uh, if it wasn't for that, we'd be talking about an 80-plus-yard rushing touchdown by Deion Hankins. I thought that run, along with the 27-yard run he had to set up, the, five, the four-yard Ray Flores catch by Gavin Hardison for a touchdown, those two two runs help swing the game in favor of this offense it's been a while now in about a month now and we can I, I think I can confidently say I think Deion Hankins has helped uh, turn around this offense single-handedly I'm with you on that one but here's what's funny we take away the 72 yard run and if you look at the number of carries and yards Hankins and Awa were pretty close they really were um and that was something that to me was kind of interesting so you know the 72 yard was a game changer and that absolutely was one of the plays of the game for the Miners. However, if you take that away, the other 16 carries for Dion, 66 yards. Ronald Awat, 15 carries for 59 yards. At first, I kept thinking to myself, why should these two have had such similar carries uh, when you look at the yard discrepancy? Well, take out the 72 yards for Dion, and they're very, very close to being right there with each other uh, based on just their production and output. And also you could see where both running backs are more comfortable, right? Like if it's Deion Hankins, some of those numbers might be a little skewed because he's the third down back. He's the guy they yep. bring in on fourth down to get them a couple yards and, and rush for, for whatever they might need. Now Awat might be more of a scat back, but he's still their primary running back. And Awat, as we saw this past weekend, he's got hands out of the backfield. Awat uh, chips in with two catches for 40 yards including that 34-yard reception that he had on that wide receiver, or I mean on that running back screen, that's the, I I think that both of these running backs bring, um, you know, really dynamic things to the table for this offense. We'll get to Joe. We'll hand out our awards coming up right after SportsCenter, bottom of the hour with Adrian as we continue. That also happened over the week uh, in that game yesterday. Very true. I didn't get to that part of my report. That's right. Uh, maybe maybe it's good Elijah Moore's uh, not uh, traded, right? That's true. They held on to him, for I guess, for a reason, right? I guess Incredible. so. Gosh. Let's go to Joe. He joins us next. 35 pass. The Sports Talk continues live from the alehouse. Hey, Joe, what's going on? How are you? All right, Steve. Been a long time. You know, I, I love hearing the show. Been a long time. But you're going to rub your hands on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I want to talk to you about the three ones that you're asking about. So here's the first one. Go. First of all, UTEP football. I just want to say this. I want to thank the kids that stayed local. They could go to another university and pay for another Division One university, but they decided to stay here and play minor football. 
And that's all I want to say. I want to tell them thank you for playing minor football. Love this it. This past Saturday, it was beautiful. A beautiful win. Number two, Dodger fans. Our Dodgers forgot the bet. Our Dodgers forgot the bet. That's what happened. Number three, Steve, Steeler football. I think with a new quarterback, these young receivers, I think we need new coaches. Time to clean house. New coaches for the new quarterback, the new receivers, and get this quarterback an O-line. And if I may add one more, Steve, um, high school rivalries, I'm just going to ask you this question. Have you ever heard, have you ever asked an alumni football player of a high school if they'd rather go 1-9 and nine or 9-1? Nine and one? That's it, Steve. I'm going to hang up, and thank you, sir. All right, I appreciate the call, Joe. I don't know of any high school football player that would choose one and nine over nine and one. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, I get where he's going at with rivalries. I get that there are some great bitter rivalries across the city of El Paso that are just just really fun to to watch when they're when they get on the gridiron. But no, I think the I think the overwhelming majority here in this city they they want wins. They want to get district titles and they want to try to you know insert themselves in the Texas State playoffs. But it is interesting. Like, if you had one win and you beat your biggest rival, or you had nine wins and you lost to your biggest rival, I think most would probably say, take the rivalry loss, get to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, there, there's an, there's like a really interesting rivalry that's brewing. I would say that might be the uh, – people would argue at, at te- and tell me which is the best high school rivalry out there, but at least from my perspective, one of the interesting ones that has ha- uh, happened over the past couple years, Americas versus Eastwood. That rivalry is just so bitter. I actually think that those two teams would be satisfied with a 1-9 and nine record if they beat the other uh, opponent in that sense. Now, not the coaches, but maybe some of the fans in that yep. sense. As far as Mike Tomlin and the Steelers go, that's tough. I mean, Mike Tomlin, he's like the same age as me, and he's 164, 98-2 uh, career. That's his career mark with the Steelers, and I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't really blame this on Tomlin. I, I, It's hard. You, you, you work with what you have, and granted, Kenny Pickett yesterday was 32 out of 44, which is a really good completion percentage, 75%. Um 257 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. But I think the problem right now is they just don't have the studs to throw the ball to like they've had in the past. And from a running game perspective, they got Najee Harris, but I don't know if if necessarily a coaching change would would switch uh, that from what's happened so far. With uh, Mike Tomlin, I also think about it this way, Steve. There are so many bad coaches out there, like really yep. good coaches on Sundays, like Brandon Staley with the Chargers. You're questioning their decision-making every single time they come around. Now, I really like the receivers for Pittsburgh. I think uh, Chase Claypool has had a had a, you know, a down season, but beyond him, George Pickens is fun to watch. Deontay Johnson's a young receiver receiver that they've got in the mix they just need somebody to throw it to and or who to, to uh someone to throw it That's to right. those guys and uh it's not Kenny Pickett it's probably not Mitch Trubisky of course maybe they go uh the draft route as, as assuming that this team sticks with a lower record and they they uh, have their choice of somebody like CJ Stroud or maybe Bryce Young from Alabama I like Kenny Pickett, though. I don't necessarily know if Pickett's the problem. I mean, look at all the interceptions that Trevor Lawrence threw last year with uh, Jacksonville. 
No, that's right. And and the thing is, Steve, is I think that we are starting to see shorter leashes on some of these quarterbacks. You, If if Lawrence has a bad year when this is all said and done, like he's had a, a couple bad weeks now, um, people are going to be out on him in Jacksonville. It doesn't matter if he's a first-round pick or if you know he's like Kenny Pickett, not necessarily like a, a first overall pick, but kind of a middle-tier kind of pick. It doesn't matter. We've seen uh, – Teams move on from quarterbacks quick now in the NFL. Look at look at what the Arizona Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. That was That's just, right. what, four years ago? And they moved went, on right away. He went from being a top-ten quarterback to basically being out of the game. How wild is that? Yeah, and that was not long ago. It's not like he's an old person by any means. They're, they're ready to move on quick nowadays in the, in the NFL. Absolutely right. Absolutely. 20 in front of six as Sports Talk continues. When we come back, we'll give out those awards. We'll get you ready for a little Monday Night Football. But we're with you till 7. Sticking around till uh, uh, the ESPN Radio Freddie Coleman experience takes over the airwaves with uh, Ian Fitzsimmons. And it's all happening right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, 14 passed as, uh, 48 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk Live. Border City L House getting you ready. Bears and... Patriots out here, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down, hang with us. Enjoy the great food, three, four, five dollar pints, four dollar. Um, they got um, also four dollar Fireball and five dollar Jack and Jack flavors. It's all happening here at Border City L House with us every Monday night. Jose's been hanging patiently since the break. Jose, thanks for waiting, man. Good to hear from you. How you doing? What's up, Steve? How you doing, man? You know Good, what? Jose. Um, I got a second with what that caller said, man. Hey, thanks to all those players that stayed in town, man. Like Deion Hankins, I know he had offers from a couple places, man. He stayed. He's making UTEP, you know, great compared to what we used to be. I mean, hey, we're, let's go to bowl, you know, two two seasons in a row. But as far as the Steelers go, it's uh, you know, Tomlin. Tomlin's an icon, man. You don't get rid yep. of a coach like that. You know what I mean? That's that's about as steady as you get. Now our offensive coordinator can't can't call a play to save his life. I mean. He just does not know. He doesn't know how to use what he, and what he has, and it was evident because of last year with Ben Roethlisberger. I know Ben was old and all that, but it's the same thing. And Pickett's a good quarterback. I don't know if you saw that throw that he made to Fryermuth on that fourth down. It was like a twenty-yard pass, and and he threaded the needle. He threw it to where I mean, it was a beautiful pass on the replay. So Pickett, he's got some learning to do. You know what I mean? I remember when uh, Peyton Manning threw twenty-eight picks. His rookie year, you know what I mean? Look, he ended up being a stud. You know, second greatest quarterback of all time. See, we got to get Pickett a chance, but uh, I think the Steelers are going to be just fine with, with Tomlin and oh yeah, new OC, you know what I mean? we got to get someone that could uh, make some new calls, you know, and, and, and play a little bit more up-tempo. Not Canada might have to go back to the college game. Hey, I'll say this. I like Pickett. I do like Pickett. And I think that long-term, uh, he could have a chance to settle in as a nice little, a, a nice option for him. I really do. I do, too. I do, too. I do, too. Um, what do who do you got in the World Series? Or, you know, I, 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 I just started listening, man, but I just hope the Astros uh, don't win, man. I, can't, I, Astros, I, can't. I, I think the – listen, I like the Phils. They're fun. Bryce Harper is amazing. Um, you get these ridiculous uh, bat throws. Uh, you know, from, uh, you know, Hoskins, you got Schwarber who's hitting bombs. Uh, and I like their pitching rotation, but how you beat the Astros? The Astros are so good. I mean, they, they just wiped the Yankees off the, pl- off the earth. Like they weren't even there. It's crazy. I, I just, oh man, it's just that the Astros, 
after that scandal, I can't get over them. You know what I mean? It's just, it's one of those things that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it just, it, it, it just frustrates me that they're so good, man. But like, why did they have to cheat? You know what I mean? That, that, that pros should not, no one should have to cheat. But yeah, let, but listen, you know, here's the way, here's pros. the way I look at it. Okay. Here's the way I look at it. A was five years ago. B, they fired everybody involved. As far as the players go, they, they hired the perfect manager to take him over, Dusty Baker. And, you know, I love Dusty. What can I tell you? I've been rooting for Dusty Baker for a long time. I want to see him finally get his ring, and I hope he gets it this year with the Astros. I really do. You know what? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Giants fan, so Dusty leaves a sour taste in my mouth because when he pulled out Woody and just went, and when we lost to the Angels, Yep, and he just he just wouldn't he, he made the wrong call. You know what I mean? So that because Barry Bonds would have had his ring that he well deserved, man. But I, I thought Dusty was a was a was a reasoning behind us not winning. One last question: Where do you think Aaron Judge is going to go? And I, I'll, I'll listen to you off there. That's a great question. We were just talking about that during the break. You know, if I'm the Yankees, by the way, uh, first off, let me say this: If I'm the Yankees, here's what I do. Okay, I know Aaron Judge turned down 213 before the season started to pl- to bank on himself. But if I'm the Yankees, I would go no higher than 6 years, 300 million. And I think that's actually uh, I don't know if I even do that. I would say 5 and 250. That would take him to his age 35 season. If somebody is crazy enough to throw 8 to 10 years at Aaron Judge, let him throw it. I wouldn't do it. I don't know why teams wouldn't just go and and take a 30-year-old guy in his prime, give him five years, make him the highest-paid player in the game, and be done with it. That's what I would do if I was the Yankees. And if he turns it down, go uh, go, go someplace else. You know what, Steve? I don't know. See, honestly, I don't even know if the Yankees are going to sign Aaron Judge again. Well, they're going to offer him, Chema, they're going to offer him money. They're not going to let him walk, okay? They're going to throw dollars at him. What I'm saying is I would not – teams have the ability to take guys and throw too many years at him. I mean, you learn from watching these long-term deals with Albert Pujols and others that their, their skills deteriorate at a certain age. And Judge is already 30, and he bet on himself, and he won. He had he did 62 home runs. He's going to make a lot of money. What I'm saying is if I'm the Yankees, make him the highest paid player, but sign him for five years, no more than six. Pay him through his age 35 or 36-year-old season. But otherwise, if you give him more years, you're going to be on the hook and have to deal with a guy who's basically a shell of himself when he's in his mid to late 30s. And if another team wants to do that, let him go for it. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Yankees. I guess you have a point, but you think Aaron Judge is going to want to take five years with the Yankees? Um, would you take $250 million if you're Aaron Judge over five years? Yeah, would you I, take, I would would take, you take $300 million if you're Aaron Judge for six years? Honestly, I would take the $300 million. So the question is, if you're the Yankees, I wouldn't go. I would probably cut it off at five two fifty, but maybe they do go six three hundred and make them the highest paid player in the game. I would not give him longer than six years. Some team might. There might be a team like uh, the Giants. Maybe they give him eight years and uh, $320 million. Maybe they do it. I wouldn't do that. I would go much higher average year, make him the highest paid player in the game, but don't pay him past five, six years. That's, that's me.
Is, if I'm if I'm there. Do, hey, Steve, real quick, did you uh, find his comments after the game being a little retroactive about the Yankees reflecting on his time? Do you find that a little alarming when, when it came to his post or post game remarks after the fact? I don't know what's more alarming: his post game remarks or the fact that he's been a stiff in the postseason throughout his career. It's a very good point. He, he he's not clutch when it matters. No, he's not. He's not. And you know, he strikes out too much. And he's not big when you need him in the postseason. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm really interested to see what goes on as we continue here on Sports Talk. Come back. Final hour next. We're live. Border City, Elhas, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down watch some Monday Night Football with us here on 600 TSPN. Back here on Sports Talk, it is our third and final hour. We're live, Border City Yell House, 1506 Lee Trevino, getting you ready for Bears and Pats from New England, watching Troy and uh, Joe Buck get ready to kick things off. Hey, we're going to be kicking it off as well. Three, four, five dollar pints tonight out here at the Yell House, four dollar fireball and five dollar Jack and Jack flavors, not to mention the wings, the pizza, the half pound burgers, the chicken sandwich, the brisket. They got everything out here. Loaded nachos, loaded fries, the queso. Hey, so many delicious things out here at Border City L House with uh, Sports Talk Live. We're going to be giving away a ton of great prizes. We'll recap that for you on the show here today. Phone lines open for business, 505-6009. We've talked everything. We've talked baseball. We've talked uh, World Series. A lot of fans. Isn't it interesting, Adrian? Uh, as we continue here, uh, by the way, Chema and Utep Zay also back in our 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Oil Changer Studios. Isn't it interesting how many fans still hate the Astros for what happened with the uh, trash can uh, banging incident years ago? You know what? I think that's just as a result of, of what they ended up doing and how they were caught. Now, that's the mm-hmm. I think that's the big part of it, right? Because I think uh, most fans who really follow the sport of baseball can agree that there is a lot of cheating that goes on with other clubs that never goes reported, unfortunately. And uh, for the Astros, they were the ones who were caught. They were the ones who were they documented. Were for all this stuff and whether it's you know um, controversies with the Yankees and what may have happened with them down the line or or, you know in previous times those are all speculations but the fact that Houston got caught and the way that they caught it's kind of barbaric right like it's a trash can banging uh, scandal that, that that they endured I think that's why fans have just never let that go. But, I mean, even Chema, we were talking about it off air. Chema was even mentioning all those guys are gone. And it's true. Like, everybody's gone from that 2017 team, uh, you know, with the exception of Altuve. So it's just kind of interesting to see uh, fans continue to hate the Astros the way they do. No, that's exactly right. And, man, oh, man, there's a lot of venom out there. A lot of venom. So uh, Astros and uh, Phils. See, the funny thing is this. I don't know many. If you're not from Philadelphia, I don't know of any Philadelphia Phillies fan. Like, I feel like, you know, the Astros, obviously, here in the state of Texas, Yankees are the Yankees. They're trending. But if you're not from Philly, I don't know of any El Pasoan that just has a connection to the Phillies. Oh, they're going to all pop up this week. Steve, we're going to see a lot of Phillies hats, a lot of Phillies jerseys all out of the blue. Isn't that how it usually happens? I met a bunch of Rams fans after the Super Bowl as well, and I was like, wow, there's a lot more Rams fans than I remember. I will say this. Like the 1980 Phillies blue throwback, that is still one of my favorite retro looks in baseball. I love that look. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned that because whenever you can rock that baby blue – 
on yep. red and actually, uh, you know, nail it, that's like a, a really, really fresh look. So I'm, I'm with you 100%. But then again, I'll say this too, okay, since we're on the subject of that. I always like the Astros 1970s jerseys. Some say those are the ugliest uniforms of all time. But I'm like, man, when I grew up watching the Astros in the 70s, it was that crazy-looking red, orange, yellow look with that big old star right in the left corner of the jersey. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but I've seen this out, uh, like this jersey that people, uh, I, I don't know, they revive it or whatever, but they get the throwback jerseys and they wear it at, like concerts and stuff like that. So like young people like this jersey right here, Steve. And also, you know, I my my dad really likes this jersey and my uncle as well. They're Astro fans. And uh, yeah, they they, uh, they have shirts and stuff that rock this, uh, this look. I, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. I believe you. I believe you. All right. Uh, we also talked, uh, in addition to baseball, we talked NFL. We've talked a lot of UTEP. Let's get back to UTEP for a second. Awards that were handed out on Saturday night's uh, Minor Talk, presented by the Roscadietta Allstate Agency. We've got a lot of awards to get to. Uh, why don't we start first with uh, the drive of the game? Yeah, that sounds great, Steve. We'll first start off with the drive of the game. This was uh, this one was interesting because there were several different ones you could have chosen. The the drive that ended with the Gavin Hardison touchdown pass to Ray Flores, but following the interception for a touchdown. Remember, Gavin Hardison threw a pick six in this game, and it felt deflating for the minor side of things. But UTEP was able to respond with a, only a three play, seventy eight yard drive. Who was it sparked by? None other than D. Deion Hankins. And the give to Hankins, right side. Hole, 30, 35, 40. He's in midfield. He's at the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. Hankins is tripped up inside the 10-yard line. And unfortunately for Deion Hankins, he did not score on that possession. But uh, on the next play, Gavin Hardison rushed it in and punched it in for the Miners in order to score on that one easily the drive of the game. Oh, that was a great one, too. I absolutely love that. Uh, again, if you want to call the official insurance agent of UTEP football, Oscar Adietta, you need to check him out. Learn more online at OscarAdiettaAgency.com. Not to mention the 915 campaign that Oscar's come up with that's been so popular, Adrian. That's right. You just go up to RiseUp915.com, and you can enter for some great giveaways. In fact, they'll be uh, tabling this week at the homecoming game for the Miners. They'll be also tabling uh, – for the first game uh, between UTEP and New Mexico State for men's basketball, that's uh, Saturday, November 12th. They'll be having great giveaways and some freebies for everybody who stops by their booth. That's the Oscar Arieta Agency. Uh, let's keep things moving right now. How about the play of the game? Uh, this is easy, right? I mean, come on. Like, what? Which, which play could we do? Uh, none other than the game winner by Gavin Beckley. Both lines are set. Ramos calls for it. It's back. Kick is on its way. Great call. John Teicher heard right here on 600 ESPN El Paso with Cole Freitag and also Mondo the Monster Medina. So, yep, I would agree with it. That's the no-brainer. That was also the kick that ends up putting Beckley into the all-time record books for the most career field goals made in the history of UTEP football, and he still has four more games and possibly a postseason game to go. Yeah, Gavin Beckley just uh, he has to be crowned, right, Steve? We were talking about this during minor talk. Is he the UTEP GOAT kicker? And I think it has to be yes, right? Because he snapped this, uh, or he broke this record uh, for Reagan Schneider. I loved Jose Martinez. I think uh, he's, he's kind of the under 
underappreciated kicker in UTEP's history. But uh, Gavin Beckley, by default, he might go down as the greatest kicker in uh, the program's history. Absolutely right. So, again, our play of the game brought to you by Specs, Wine, Spirits, Finer Foods. Don't forget, folks, they've got a Specs right by UTEP, 2525 uh, North Mesa. But there's Specs all over El Paso. So if you are looking for wine, beer, liquor, or just a snack to enjoy during your tailgate, make it uh, Specs, Wine, Spirits, and uh, Finer Foods for uh, your choice. Now, one to go. We've got the Player of the Game Award uh, this was also kind of interesting because you have multiple guys that uh, could have won this award, uh, and you could have gone in a lot of different directions. Where did the uh, minor talk guys go? Yeah, we could have gone Deion Hankins, 17 carries, 138 yards. We could have went uh, in the direction of the defense and gone with uh, Jadrian Taylor in this one. Two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, mm. a forced fumble, and eight total tackles. Did not win Defensive Player of the Week by Conference USA, but somebody did win an award for by the conference. It was Gavin Beckley. I tried to convince both Jason and Sal. They said, no way. Uh, yeah, 50 over 50 career um, field goals made. He's now at 51. He's made uh, 15 straight field goals as well. It had to be Gavin Beckley as our player of the game. And they and they wouldn't agree with you. Is that what you're telling me? You couldn't get Jason and Sal to agree on this one? No, no, I, I couldn't sway him the other way. Like I was trying to say, well, could could you make an argument for Dion? No. Could you make an argument for Jadrian? No. And and I was like, yeah, you, you guys are right. By default, it has to be Gavin Beckley off a historic performance. Love that. Every week, our Player of the Game award is brought to you by Heineken, folks. So there you go. Our three awards that were handed out on a Minor Talk Saturday night. I agree with all those. I think it's great. Beckley, by the way, is there even a possibility Beckley could come back next year and take his COVID year? Oh, that that's a great question. I've been thinking about that too. I have no answer to this. I, I don't know. I I want to see his, uh, I want to see what they could do to try to bring him back. I think obviously, you know, having somebody as consistent as Beckley uh, should never be taken for granted. But I don't know if that would be possible. And by the way, I mean, no disrespect to uh, Ramos because he deserves a chance, too. He's been there the whole time, and he knows also because he's been uh, holding for Beckley, which has been uh, huge uh, as this has gone. And uh, Mark Ramos is a redshirt sophomore from right here in El Paso. So to me, if somebody's going to get an opportunity, it should be the man in line from right here in town. Yeah, I'm I'm with you completely there, uh, Steve. I also think that with uh, with Mark Ramos, he was exceptional at Andrus. Like he was a really really good kicker when he was here uh, playing high school football in El Paso. I would not uh, count him out one bit. I would also not count out this. Uh, UTEP Zay just mentioned him, Buzz Flabi, uh, uh, Flabiano. Uh, that's somebody who they recruited out of Plano East High School. Remember, he was the guy who like uh, received all those awards, like the Coles Kicker Award and all that coming out of high school so he was highly regarded I don't know if they've got anything out of him but I'd be curious to know like who's next in line uh when it's all said and done with Gavin Beckley no you're right and by the way I'm looking at Beckley this is Beckley's last year this is fifth season he's played every year so it's not like uh Beckley as a freshman he played all 12 games and it was a kickoff specialist so he played 12 games in his freshman year in 18 then as a nine, in 19, he took over for field goals. 20, he did play on the 2020 season. Last year, honorable mention All-America. No, uh, this is Beckley's last year, Adrian. He could, could not come back 
for a fifth se- for a sixth season. Yeah, he can't come back for like a, a seventh year like a Walter Dunn or a Quadres Wadley. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And uh, for Gavin Beckley, he's played all these years, so it makes sense. I understand why. So I think it is going to be interesting to see who gets the kicking job next year. There could be a good little battle. Uh, to see which one of those two that we that uh, you just mentioned was a ends up getting the kicker gig. Yeah, and also I, I would say you know big shoes to fill. This is one of those positions right there. Again, you cannot take for granted. Fifteen straight made field goals. It feels like every time the miners are driving and you you can see uh, inside the forty that they would attempt a field goal. Um, you know, I would say Gavin Beckley's making most of those right there. I feel like he's pretty automatic inside the 40. And then beyond, you know, 40 to 50, I would say he's got a, a good percent, a, a good shot of making some of those longer field goals as well. Didn't he miss his first field goal and hasn't missed since? That's exactly you, you. You nailed it right there. He missed it against North Texas. It was their first field goal attempt of the season. Hasn't missed one uh, after that. And aren't you fascinated with a name like Buzz Flabiano? That is one of the great sports names of all time. Yes, and then like the fans could chant Buzz and all that kind of stuff, and then it, and then our uh, our good friend Buzz Adams can interview Buzz if he ever becomes you know big on on uh, this UTEP football team. Well, I almost feel like Buzz Flabiano has to be a guest on the Buzz Adams Morning Show because those are probably the only two guys named Buzz that we've had uh, from a sports standpoint, right? Yeah, and it's his legal name. It's Buzz. It's it's not like he has a different name like Brandon or something like No, it's Buzz. So it's, it's uh, interesting that I, I've never heard that name before other than Buzz Adams. I know. Um, you're right. I mean, that's, that's a good point. So maybe Buzz Flabiano does need to make the list. 16 past as we continue. Let's get to Charlie 1, then we'll come right back. They are underway in uh, what looks like a very... Um, I can't tell if the weather is just foggy in New England, but it doesn't look like your typical uh, you know, New England game. So we'll keep an eye on this one. Mac Jones gets the start. Charlie wins back with traffic. And, Stephen, the El Paso Metroplex, quite a few trouble spots that just popped up right now. First of all, we have in the Valley North Loop at Barrett, we have a crash PD on the way to that one. On the West Side Restaurant in Whitecliff, we have a crash. And then also we go to the East Side where we have Saragossa and Charles Schulte. We have a crash here at Convair and Haviland on a wreck PD going to that one. In Central Piedras and Idalia, we have a wreck. Let's go to the Northeast. That's where we have traffic lines malfunctioning, really creating a traffic congestion here. Gateway North and South at Dyer, but also... Transmountain East and Westbound lanes at Gateway. Transmountain, that intersection right there, Transmountain at the Gateway, stacked up with traffic right there because those uh, traffic lights just do not work. So caution there. This update is brought to you by the Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon. Open for your uh, dining to carry on, not today, Tuesday through Sunday from 11 to 8. They have the delicious Tapikenia chicken. Tapikenia had that the other night. Delicious. Full menu, fresh, delicious, affordable. Don't forget the delicious of Papias. Open on passes first of Papias since 1946. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon, Charlie 1600, ESPN El Paso. Mention the James Robinson trade to the Jets during sports. No, I did not, Steve. I did not. That's some good breaking news right there. I was just dreaming about Robinson in the Jets' backfield this upcoming week, so I was. Uh, that's why I wasn't sure if I wasn't paying attention or not. But how about a sixth-round pick that could become a fifth-round pick, depending on how Robinson does for the Jets? The Jets are going for it. That's a pretty obvious sign going out and getting James Robinson. Yeah, you're not doing this if you're trying to tank or get a you know a great draft pick right there for the Jets. The Jets are tired of losing. They yep. they have a they have some promise this year. They have Robert Sala who's taking receipts and he's uh you know he's going out after 
roster different teams and uh, really fiery on the sidelines, Steven. I, I like this move. Brees Hall, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. As a, as a Jets fan, I'm sorry, Steve, because he was going to be the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year before he got injured, and he just looked uh, amazing over these past couple weeks, especially with the wins that they've gotten. But oh. now you get a, a serviceable guy. He's not going to be even close to what Brees Hall is going to do, but he's going to give you some numbers, and he's going to get more opportunities with the Jets than he's had all year long with Jacksonville. Jacksonville turning the keys over to Travis Etienne. Yep, and now you get the James Robinson, Michael Carter one-two punch, which will also be really interesting for uh, Jets fans as they try to continue their season, which just had a terrific win over the uh, Denver Broncos uh, this weekend. So you're right. Things looking up for the Jets. Things looking up for the Giants. Go figure that out. It's uh, difficult to try to understand what's happening there. Uh, Before we continue our conversation on the NFL, let's do a physical fitness athletics